0: Hello, I'm Dave Watts, and this is the Redundancy Podcast. The purpose of the podcast is to share the challenges of finding and keeping a job as an older worker. In this podcast, I'm joined by a guest, Lycia Knight, talking to me from the London area in the UK, and we're going to talk about toast, and why, if you're in your 50s working for a large corporate, you may need to get ready to be toast. Your career days are likely to be numbered. Lucia Knight is a career satisfaction coach and spent the first 20 years of her career corporate headhunting in the UK and Australia. Finding herself career stuck, Lucia took a psychology masters focusing on how personality influences work and life satisfaction. Lucia then started her own business, Midlife Unstuck, where she now helps midlife professionals who feel stuck doing work that isn't making them happy to design work that does Lucia, thank you for being a guest today.
1: Oh, it's my pleasure. I'm looking forward to it.
0: Let's start with the obvious question then, please. What is a career satisfaction coach?
1: So, Dave, I call myself a career satisfaction coach because there's way too many career coaches in the world who are all generalists. So, what I do is slightly different. I help people discover their superpowers, and then I help them design those into their future work. And by superpowers, I mean the activities that mostly professionals I work with, but the the activities that feel most satisfying and fulfilling from their entire career, the activities that come naturally to them or more naturally to them than to others, and the activities that energize rather than drain them. So that's why I call them their superpowers.
0: Does everyone have a superpower or superpowers within us?
1: Absolutely, definitively, yes, but not just one. I'm not entirely sure how many. I tend to think that if we know four or five or six of our superpowers, we have enough insight to then design those deliberately and consciously into a career. So we definitely all have superpowers. And you probably have, you know, the older we get, the more we can refine them. But the more we try new things and practice them, the more superpowers we can have. But we all have, if, we've, if we're 40 or 50 or thereabouts, we have at least five or six.
0: And it's a matter of teasing them out in some cases, is it? So that we understand them.
1: Yes, so that we understand them and we, we know how to articulate them and we then know how to design them into our daily work, yes.
0: Thank you. You said your typical clients are professional. Professional in what sense, and why have you chosen to focus on career change in later life?
1: So, my typical clients are of a similar age to me. So, I'm 48. So, they're in their 40s or their 50s. They've often spent most of their career in one industry or one discipline or one field. And they generally have woken up, as I did some years ago, wondering is this it? So why did I focus on that particular style of individual? Because every weekday morning for at least a couple of years towards the end of my 20 year career, I woke up wondering, is this it? And I felt utterly, utterly alone. With a growing sense of unhappiness, I find myself staring down the barrel of another 20 years doing similar things in similar industries and just doing work that was no longer satisfying, fulfilling and definite. Fun, so so I sort of when I took my blinkers off, I started to see a whole world of people just like me, of a similar age, who focused on one career for most of their life, and I could see people who were stuck like I was and didn't know what to do. So over the two years, as you as you said in your intro, doing the learning from the masters in psychology, uh, spending time researching the world of work for people of my generation. And the psychology behind doing more satisfying work, it became totally clear to me that I had found a super problem that I really, really wanted to spend a lot of time, maybe not fixing, but lessening the problem of that superpower for people like me.
0: Many, many years ago, I saw Charles Handy, if you remember Charles Handy, talking.
1: do, Yes.
0: Charles Handy was suggesting many, many years ago that people would have to take a portfolio view. But you're suggesting that still for a lot of people, it has been the same organisation for most of their working life. Is that still the case?
1: Not necessarily the same organisation, but if people are... So I was in sales. So I was in sales in the same industry for all of my career. Yes. So if you're in engineering, you're generally in one particular industry or related industries, but not at all one company. No, not at all. That doesn't really exist anymore, in my opinion.
0: No, certainly with the much younger people I talk to, they have no concept of working for the same organisation all their life <laughs> at all. Now, <laughs> we, we said in the introduction, and I readily admit, as you know, that I got this from your website. We talked about Toast and Career Toast. What has Toast got to do with careers
1: sounds a bit weird, but about three years ago, I wrote an article called 50-year-old corporate toast. And to this day, it's the most read article on my website. Essentially, I could see from the latter years of my headhunting career that 50-year-olds or 50-plus-year-olds were becoming an endangered species in big corporates. I used the analogy of the individual being the slice of toast, and the corporation being the toaster. So I defined four different types of toast that that I saw in my life as a headhunter and since then. Should I tell you what they
0: are? Oh, please do, yes, because this is fascinating.
1: (laughs) So I love the analogy because it's time limited. We only have a certain amount of time left, in our late 40s, 50s, and beyond in corporations. So, the first type is the wonderful type, the lucky, rare creature, the golden toasted variety. So, these are individuals who've amassed a huge retirement fund and can press the eject button on the toaster at any time, particularly if the toaster starts to turn up the heat. So, they are in pretty much control of their future. Not quite, but they have the most control. The second variety is the almost toasted variety. So these guys or girls are saving madly. They've got their fingers crossed. They're hoping that they can stay doing valuable work until either they're rejected or until they decide to eject themselves. So often, I see this an awful lot with individuals who... Uh, I've got a savings fund and they need two more years in one company, and that they feel as if they're in control, but they often aren't. The third variety is the most self aware variety. They are aware that they are, I'm in the wrong toaster variety. So these guys enjoy their work, they've got a long term view to work, and they are not desperate to retire. They really want to work as long as they possibly can because. To date, they find it very fulfilling. So, these guys are out-networking, talking to smaller businesses because they know that's where their future is, out-networking, talking to smaller businesses, and really doing what they can to ensure their future is in smaller business. So, ideally, they have an offer ready to accept when the toaster ejects them, or they decide to leave without any redundancy, without any exit fund, because they want to do work forever. The final version, the final variety of toast is a very sad and scary place to be. So, this is the almost burnt variety. So, these these particular individuals are working hard. They're feeling valued and valuable. They are enjoying their work, but they have no spare time or they're allocating none of their spare time to networking or creating long-term relationships with executive recruiters or people who could secure their future. So they have absolutely no idea that as the years go on or months go on, that the toaster setting is being turned up and that this is the individual. I try to write all my articles about, but of course they're never going to read it because they're not thinking the long term. But these these are the people, these are the individuals, the types of toast that just need to be awoken because when the toaster burns them, it will scar deeply for years because they weren't expecting
0: it. And they don't know what to do when it comes as well, I presume.
1: Oh, it's a shock. It, it's an absolute shock. So there's there's grief, there's loss, there's shock. That's before they can even start to think, what am I going to do with my future? And I can only hope that these individuals are saving madly, but often they're not. Often their lifestyle, they're living it as they always have done, expecting the future to be as it is today. And that's not going to be the case. So I wrote it not as a, a depressing reality. <laughs> I wrote it as, a, as an attempt to catch people before they were too toasted so that they could then take the blinkers off and start to do something about it.
0: And it really works, that metaphor. I love it. And I presume it's a bit like a pyramid that the, the broad base at the bottom are those that are the ones that are likely to get burned because that's where, as you get older and you're in a corporate life, the, that's where the broad yes. prospectus is going to be.
1: Entirely. So right, Dave. Yes, there's, there's a huge number of people sitting there who sadly will never read my articles unless someone forwards it into their inbox. But there's too many people who are unaware but are in exactly in that
0: situation. Why do people stay then where they are vulnerable?
1: Well, I'm, that, that particular variety of toast don't recognise their vulnerability, but the others do. So So... I think it's mostly to do with the brain and heart. So when I talk to people who are in the situation or find themselves in this situation, you know, they're saying things like, well, I would like to look at the long-term, but I'll never be able to earn the same salary again. Or I'd like to do something different. I, I don't know exactly what to do if I didn't do this. Or I have so much flexibility or freedom or autonomy or whatever, where I am now, that I'd never get that elsewhere. So it's all based around our brain, seeing any form of change as dangerous. And so these lines come up again and again and again in all of the conversations I have. The brain has made it a very emotional problem where the brain tries to get the individual to stay put because that feels safer. But we know, based on what we just talked about, that it's very unsafe. So I try to get people to reframe the problem from an emotional scary problem to a knowledge gap problem so that they're saying instead of I'd never get a new job again, I'd never earn the same salary, they're saying I'm somewhere I don't want to be, but I don't know how to change it yet. That allows the brain to turn the emotion down on the problem and to reframe it as a, almost an educational problem. There are some knowledge gaps here that you need to start to figure out.
0: Yes, I've read your book, Exchange, and the individuals you talk about in there who you've taken through your process are not those who've taken leaps of faith to change, but balanced, calculated decisions based on the superpowers you're describing. Is that fair?
1: It's totally fair. So I never, I, I'm, I'm, I'm not an advocate of leaps of faith. I don't think anyone at our age or beyond, you know, we've got children to get through university sometimes mortgages, you know, we've got all sorts of commitments that mean that leaps of faith are just not possible. Um, So what I try to encourage individuals is through that superpowers, understanding that superpowers is making small tweaks today, testing how it feels and making more tweaks every single day or every single week uh, to, to design work slowly that starts to feel much better.
0: So are you trying to deal with them before the trauma of losing their job so that they can plan?
1: I'm trying to catch people before the trauma, because in the deep, dark depths of the trauma, the brain is just looking for safety. It doesn't allow for slightly different kinds of thinking, slightly more creative thinking. Most people, when they've had the trauma they're just trying to replace the trauma with security yeah and that usually is much of the same so they go from one situation that that paid the bills which is great and that was that was a real upside but it wasn't the kind of work that they were thriving in to another similar because they can't think broadly so i am trying to catch people just before the trauma
0: transitioning careers isn't easy Ageism is rife in the workplace, whatever anybody says, and many older workers are facing issues, as you've described, like store careers, doing work they no longer enjoy, they've been made redundant, or they're feeling like their positions are probably at risk in the not-too-distant future. Given all that you've said, what sort of overarching advice would you offer to those who are facing these issues?
1: It's not going to come as any surprise to you, but I encourage people to start to focus on the element of their career that will be present and unique entirely through the rest of their working scenario. And that element is them. Yes. So you, you could certainly find out about the market, research it, understand the dynamics of what's going on elsewhere, but without a clear and defined understanding of what you have to offer the world in the way that you offer it uniquely, all of the other activity that you do, in my opinion, in the work that I do, is just icing on a cake that hasn't been baked properly. So I encourage people to get really clear on, on their superpowers, their uniqueness.
0: So understand the true value that they can bring and what gives them true fulfillment.
1: Yes. Because even if you could only do that of every day to start with you can evolve that very quickly over a short period of time
0: thank you that's fascinating what's next for you now so the book was
1: launched last last july i think And you kindly reviewed it on your podcast. I'm really thankful for that. So I'm on a year-long marketing campaign to get the message out there, the message that we've been talking about, to try to catch people early. I'm pretty maxed out on my Discover Your Superpowers program because it's one-to-one and it's entirely unique. So I'm trying to eke out a bit of time to design an online Discover Your Superpowers course because I think I could help more people that way, but it's taking me a bit of time.
0: I can understand that. And if anybody wants to look at the book, I did put a link to Amazon on my website. I would encourage people to read it because what I liked about it was the fact that it's not about a leap of faith, that it is a nuanced, carefully structured approach to people taking steps to find a fulfilling life. And that's so important because I've met so many people who just loathe what they do. And the people that you describe are people that have found satisfaction. It's not been easy and it's not been a walk in the path for most of them, if not all of them, but they've got what they wanted out of it. And you've managed to tease out whatever it is that they feel is good and fulfilling. So I put that out there. Read the book if people want to find out more about it.
1: Thank you so
0: much. I do appreciate your time and thank you very much for coming on the podcast. It's been a real pleasure talking to you. And thank you once again. Thank you, Dave. It's been lovely to talk to you. The podcast is researched, written and produced entirely by me, Dave Watts, and thank you again for listening. I'll be back in a few weeks and my contact details follow next. You can make contact with me via my website, theredundancypodcast.com, which has a synopsis of this and all the podcast main points by emailing me at theredundancypodcast at gmail.com or via Twitter with the hashtag at RedundancyPCast.